This is the Thoughts from a Page podcast. My name is Cindy Burnett, and I love to talk about books. I am so glad you are listening and would really appreciate your rating this podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. Thank you to those of you who have rated it already. I am very grateful. If you like this podcast, you may also like my Conversations from a Page Literary Salon. To check it out, go to cfapage.net. And if you have personalized book questions, I can be reached at cindyhburnett at att.net. I partner with Murder by the Book for this podcast, and Lineage Most Lethal can be purchased there. The link is in my show notes. Today, I am interviewing S.C. Perkins. She is a fifth-generation Texan who grew up hearing fascinating stories of her ancestry and eating lots of great Tex-Mex, both of which inspired the plot of her debut mystery novel. Murder Once Removed was the winner of the 2017 Malice Domestic Best First Traditional Mystery Competition. She resides in Houston, and when she's not writing or working at her day job, she's likely outside in the sun, on the beach, or riding horses. Welcome, Stephanie. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Of course. I'm always excited to talk with you. So let's start out first. You write under S.C. Perkins. So why don't you tell me about that? Well, there is another author named Stephanie Perkins, and so it just turned out to be the right thing to do. I've always wanted to write under S.C. Perkins, but whenever I found out there was another author, I decided to go ahead and do it. It worked out perfectly for me. Um, She's a great author. She writes uh, young adult, but uh, it's very easy to get us confused. So uh, when you do search for me, you do need to search under S.C. Perkins, but you're more than welcome to call me Stephanie otherwise. So tell me about your latest book, which is called Lineage Most Lethal. This is the second book in my Ancestry Detective series, and my main character is professional genealogist Lucy Lancaster, and uh, she's in Austin, Texas, and in this one, she is at a boutique hotel that is owned by her current client, and she's there doing some genealogy for her and having a little staycation. And uh, she's outside whenever a man comes staggering up to her and he lays a pen on top of her hand and says, keep them safe and drops dead at her feet. That pen turns out to be a vintage Mont Blanc that is uh, traces back to the World War II era. And whenever she goes to her grandfather to sort of check it out, he has a thing for Mont Blanc pens. It turns out to have a, a history that ties into her grandfather's secret that deals with World War II. So that was a lot of fun to write. And it goes on from there and has a a lot of genealogy about tracing ancestors and information and uh, and World War II themes. So it's been a lot of fun. How did you come up with the subject matter for this one? Well, I knew that I always wanted to write uh, a genealogy book in, in Lucy's story that had to do with World War II. And I knew I wanted to bring in her grandfather, who she calls Grandpa. And I started realizing that I needed to do it now instead of later because the members of our greatest generation are passing away at a rapid rate. And so her grandpa is 92 years old and he's still fit as a fiddle. But I knew that if I waited too long, uh, it, it might not seem plausible. So I brought him in and I've always had a thing for World War II as well as uh, spycraft and whatnot. So I just had so much fun with this. And I'm so glad I brought him on because he was so much fun to write. And everyone seems to be loving Grandpa, which just makes me so happy. Well, I love that. I think World War II is such a fascinating era. And even though there are a lot of books about it, there are still so many stories to be told. So that, that's a fun era to write about, I bet. Absolutely. It was so much fun. 
I was just going to ask you what kind of research you had to do for this one. Uh, well, yes. Uh, so I, I did do a lot of World War II and then, of course, the genealogy research. And then I did get in touch with the uh, International Spy Museum, which was a lot of fun. What was even more fun is whenever it was all through email. And then whenever they wrote me back, they said, well, one of our board of directors said this and answered my question, but they never told me who it was. So it was kind of fun thinking that an actual spy might have answered my question. I love that. Um, And I love that museum. You're talking about the museum in D.C., correct? Yes. It has recently moved, uh, I think last year or two years ago, to the National Mall. And I have been to the original one, which was a smaller one, and it was so much fun. But this one is big and huge and beautiful, and I'm just dying to go. The last time I was in D.C. was just literally days before it opened, and I left, I think, the two days before it opened, and I was so mad, but I can't wait to get back and go and see it because it's a really fabulous museum, so much fun to go to. I didn't realize it had moved. We went to D.C., my whole family, with my kids when they were younger, and they loved that museum, but we haven't been there in a while, so now I'm going to have to add that back on the list when we go again. And the other museum I love is the Newseum. Mm-hmm. Yes. And as someone who studied journalism in college, I really need to go. I have not been, and but I've heard it's fabulous. So I, I just love all the, the museums on the, the National Mall and, and the other ones as well. But the Smithsonian's are some of my favorites. I go there every single time I'm in D.C. Well, it's so easy to just go museum to museum to museum. It's nice that they're all there together. Right. Well, and then there's also the Library of Congress and the National Archives. And I actually did, as far as my research goes, I went and interviewed um, one of the staff at the National Archives while I was in D.C. So that was actually more fun things that I got to do. And they're so wonderful there. And it's just such a fabulous place, especially if you love doing research. So highly recommend the National Archives. Oh, that's really cool. I have never been to the National Archives. Oh, they're great. Absolutely great. So how did you decide on Lucy Lancaster's profession? Well, I've grown up my whole life hearing uh, about my family's genealogy. Mostly on my dad's side, I have a lot of amateur genealogists in my dad's side of the family. And um, going all the way back to my great-grandfather, who wrote, I believe, three books on our genealogy. And my grandmother, every time that I went to her house, she had some new genealogy story, some new ancestor that she found. And so I just grew up hearing about it and I always loved it. I always found it so fascinating. And so whenever I was actually at a a writer's conference and they were talking about interesting professions for your characters to have, and I knew I'd been wanting to write, uh, I knew I wanted to write a cozy series. And I thought, you know what? A genealogist would just be so much fun. And you could have the murders in the past and the present, and you can have her researching history and all of the things that I love. And so it was so much fun. And I just, it just has worked out to just be more fun than I could imagine. So all the research, I just love it. So it, it's been great. Well, and with so many books out there these days, it's nice to have a unique profession for your protagonist, something a little different that people will respond to. I think that's fabulous. Yeah, no, it's been really great. And I've, I've gotten a lot of wonderful comments from readers about how they've researched their own families and how it's made them more interested in researching their families. So that's been just the most incredible thing. I've loved it. My grandmother was always very interested in all of that and had compiled a book for us. And when she would come to Houston, she would, we would go to the Clayton Library here to, you know, where you could research genealogy. And she loved going over there and just checking out things and would always find something new when she was here. It was very interesting. 
Oh, yes. The, the Clayton Library is just wonderful. And they're so helpful there um, in Houston. They're fantastic. And also the um, Daughters of the American Revolution Library is fantastic. And the one in D.C. is absolutely amazing and just gorgeous. And uh, but then you can also do a lot of research there. You don't have to be a member of the Daughters of the American Revolution to, to use their research functions and uh, and work on your genealogy. So there's a lot of great places there. What do you hope your readers take away from your book? Well, one of the things that I always loved growing up reading is whenever I read something that I really loved, but I also learned something, whether it was just a little tidbit or something fascinating. And one of my favorites actually was Dick Francis uh, mystery novels. And because in every single one of them, it had nothing to do with the horses. There was always something interesting that you learned about another profession or something like that. And uh, so that's sort of what I hope is that if somebody comes away, even if it's all they learn is, you know, how to determine what their first cousin once removed means, that will just make me happy or just to learn just a little tidbit of information, some little factoid about World War II or, um, or you know, spycraft or anything that would make me very, very happy. Those books are the books that really resonate with me too, where I enjoy the storyline, but I also come away with some new tidbit that I didn't know before. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You provide um, some kind of genealogy guideline in the front of this book, don't you? I do. Um, so in the, in the first book, it was a genealogy relationship chart, and that first book is Murder Once Removed. And uh, in this book, Lineage Most Lethal, I have what's called an ancestral chart or an ancestor chart, or it's also called a pedigree chart. And, um, and basically what it is, is, is where you start by listing the main person that you are researching, whether that's you or somebody else, and then blowing out their, um, their ancestors from that. And, um, and it's a good way to keep track of everyone and, um, and it sort of becomes a filing system. There's a, a way that you log it as to what chart it is on which page it is and everything. And so whenever you build up your family tree, you can research it back through these pedigree charts and whatnot. So, um, so that was a lot of fun. And, um, and I will say this, if you actually do look at the, the very, um, the ancestor chart in the front of my book, Whenever our wonderful team at, at Minotaur recreated it, there was a little bit of a typo. So if you do have a first edition, you will see that the word continued is misspelled. And, but it has been corrected for um, all subsequent editions and the paperback and whatnot. But I, it's still beautiful. They did a wonderful job and they took it off of the one they were inspired by the National Archives pedigree chart. So that was great. So it'll be like those um, stamps that are printed incorrectly and they're worth so much more. Your first edition with the typo, well, everybody will be scrambling to have a copy. Exactly. That's what I hope for at least. So it's been fun. What was the highlight of writing this one? Oh, the highlight. Let's, you know, I had just had so much fun writing it. And I, since I have such a fascination with World War II, I think it was really getting to do the research and writing this little background story of creating sort of a little mission and whatnot, you know, weaving it into the genealogy so that it could be something that was in the past and then in the present researched by Lucy and, and just sort of bring it all together. And then add in, I added in all my favorite little things that I've always wanted to do. All my favorite spy stuff is in there. Microdots, Morse code, you know, book ciphers, 
and and then the OSS. And so I just sort of went crazy with these little tiny homages to everything that I've always loved. So yeah, that was just so much fun. I, I had a great time writing it. That's got to be one of the great things about being a writer is that you can just take the book wherever you want to. So with the little things like that, that you want to highlight, you can just throw them in right where they fit in. Exactly. Yeah, it, it was great. And I was able to use one of my great uncle's name and he was in World War II. He was in Patton's army and uh, he was a Purple Heart recipient. There is whenever you read grandpa's code name in there, that is actually my great uncle. And so that was a lot of fun putting that in. Got to put in a couple of other names of uh, people that I really, really liked and made them sort of minor characters, which was a lot of fun. Oh, I love that. So how do you come up with the titles to your books? I love cozy titles. They're so much fun, often puns or clever play on words. How do you come up with yours? Well, whenever I started writing this series, I just sat down and started thinking of a bunch of titles that I could possibly use and just had fun with them because cozy titles are so much fun. Like you said, there's, there's puns in them. A lot of times there's a repeating letter. So I just sort of went down and, and found all these different uh, terms that related to genealogy and sort of made up um, a bunch of cozy titles to go along with them. And then whenever I decided on the plot to this one, I went through my title list and decided which one would, would work the best. And no doubt, because there are several different lineages working in this book, there's eight different characters whose lives are in danger. And so lineage most lethal just turned out to be perfect. It's nice when it works out that way. And I think that's really great that you have a long list of titles. So all you need to do now is write your books to match your titles. (laughs) Absolutely. And fingers crossed I'll, I'll get to. So your covers are beautiful and very intricately done. Do you have a say in what they look like? Yes and no. Well, I should say mostly yes. But the the very first one, they sort of surprised me with what they did. And that was for Murder Once Removed. At first, I was actually a little shocked because it didn't look like your typical cozy mystery. And so I emailed them and asked about it and everything. And then they explained their, their idea that mine was a little bit more of a traditional mystery, had a little bit more of a thriller aspect to it. And so, uh, so they, they hired their in-house uh, artist to do it, and his name is David, and he just did the most amazing job. In Murder Once Removed, there was a few things that I had them tweak. Uh, the cat on the book, uh, the cat's name is NPH, and that stands for Neil Patrick House Cat. And he, um, in the original cover, the drawing, he was actually a short-haired cat. And I said, no, NPH is long-haired. And, um, and so they said, well, send us some pictures. So I sent a picture of, uh, of one of my cats um, and also one of my late cats, I should say, and, uh, and also a picture of Bobby Flay's cat. Um, and uh, he has this big orange Maine Coon and whatnot. So they sort of combined the two and made this perfect cat. And then there was the background that at first it didn't look like it was a city. And so I said, well, this is set in Austin. And so they were so wonderful about adding in sort of a cityscape in the back. And it just turned out amazing. But they asked me what my favorite colors were and things like that. I mean, they were just incredible. And then in the second one, again, surprised me with this most wonderful cover. And really just a few things changed uh, in the original portraits that are on the tree 
They were um, they were portraits of much older ancestors, like back in the 1700s look. And I said, well, no, they should actually be from World War II era. So again, I sent them pictures and they, they did a wonderful job there. In fact, uh, one of the pictures that I sent them is actually from World War I. It was Matthew Crawley from Downton Abbey and everything. So that's the sort of their inspiration. So it was just a lot of fun. They did such a wonderful job. They're so beautiful. For my upcoming book, they wrote me and they said, do you have anything to, to recommend and everything? And I just had one thing to recommend to them. And I said, y'all go for it. I know it's going to be gorgeous. So I, I can't wait to see what they come up with. That's fabulous that they listen to you and are happy to incorporate your suggestions and ideas. Oh, they've been absolutely wonderful. So I couldn't have asked for better covers and I'm so in love with them. That leads me to my next question, which is your next book. Why don't you tell me a little bit about it? Well, the book three in the series is titled Fatal Family Ties, and it has a Civil War theme to the ancestor, but it's also a lot more about art. Um, the Civil War theme is just sort of there to sort of bring in the ancestor. But that w- has actually been really fascinating to research because, and as far as the genealogy aspects go, because the records for Civil War ancestors are really, really interesting if you go on the National Archives website and they have a lot of information about them. You, it's very, very hard to actually tell whether your ancestor was at a certain battle or not because very, very few of them took roll call the day of and whatnot. So you kind of have to do a lot, of, a lot of puzzling, a lot of fitting pieces together, a lot of working from the outside in and making sure that you find other sources to make sure that your, uh, your actual ancestor was where you think that he might have been. So where did you get the idea to write about the Civil War and the particular story that you're telling? Well, uh, several years ago, I mean, I think it's maybe even 10 or more years ago, the Smithsonian Magazine did a story about two of the oldest living Civil War uh, soldiers. And they told this this great story and went through the the histories of both of them. And at the very end of the story, it told you that one of the soldiers was actually lying, that he was never actually a Civil War soldier that they could tell. And I remember I actually kept that and set it aside and thought, this is going to be great. This would be a really good um, addition to my Ancestry Detective series. And so I've kept that for so many years. I knew I wanted to use it. And then whenever I actually started writing it, I wanted to keep it as close to that idea as possible, but it turned out to change significantly. So there's only a real kernel of it that, that's, that's still there, but I did initially get it from that, from that story. So that was a lot of fun. Well, and I'm sure the records from that time period, you know, sometimes you can find very detailed things. And like you were saying, sometimes you can't find anything. And those stories, that, that, that's no longer the case. With everything we have with online presence and the ability to track people everywhere, that's changed. So it's great to be able to go back and write a story where that isn't the case. Exactly. So it, it was fun to sort of just take the, the mystery and, and work it into the genealogy as far as how... Lucy goes and does her research. What I've done for the first three books was I try to do a little different side of genealogy with each one. And so for the the first one, Murder Once Removed, there was just a lot of sort of generalities about uh, genealogy. And then Lineage Most Lethal was about specifically using pedigree charts and tracing the ancestors. And then this one is about researching 
uh, Civil War records and the records of soldiers and whatnot. Well, I'm always fascinated with the Civil War, so I can't wait to read that one. Yeah, it was really, it's been really fun. What's your favorite thing about being a writer? You know, um, I love all of it. I love the research and the writing, and I even love the editing. A lot of, a lot of authors don't love the editing process, but I do. I just think that it is fantastic to take something and just make it better and better with each time. And I love the interaction with the readers and every bit of it has been wonderful. And the doing the Zoom meetings, and I really wish we could be doing it in person, but there has been a really wonderful aspect to this of of getting so many more uh, viewers and, and getting to meet so many more people from different states and whatnot. Just the other night, I did an event called Once Upon a Crime that is hosted by my publisher, Minotaur Books and St. Martin's Press, and then also Criminal Element, which is a website uh, run by Minotaur Books. There was five cozy authors, and we wrote a cozy mystery in real time. And uh, we each had five minutes to write it. And it was so much fun. And we had viewers from all over the nation and even in Canada. It was amazing and so much fun to do. And so that has just been fantastic. And I love being able to to get to meet new people that way and get to know other authors. Just the whole process of being a writer is just fantastic. I I have nothing bad to say about it. (laughs) The event you were just describing, did they save it? Is that something that people can track down on the Criminal Element website? It is, yes. And, um, And I just posted about it on my Instagram and Facebook page yesterday. And I am at SC Perkins Writer everywhere. And then it's also on the Criminal Element page and which is criminalelement.com. And so you can go and, and watch the replay and you can read our little mystery, which is, it's very short, but it was me and Ellie Alexander, Hannah Dennison, Donna Andrews and Diane Kelly. And we had so much fun. It was just a blast. What a great group. I was just thinking people might enjoy tracking that down and listening to it. So I'm glad you gave the location and where you can find it. Absolutely. Thank you for asking. Well, before we wrap up, I always ask authors to tell me about their latest favorite reads. What have you read lately that you loved? Well, uh, since I've been on deadline with my latest book, um, I haven't read anything in the past couple of probably actually about a month. But before then, in the early spring and summer, I was reading a lot. And I read a couple of different books that I really loved. One of them was a debut thriller uh, called Without Sanction by Don Bentley. So if you like thrillers, it was really good. Actually took my breath away a couple of times and I was holding my breath. Um, And then another one was All the Ways We Said Goodbye by Lauren Willig, Beatrice Williams, and Karen White. And that is a three timeline book set in World War II and after. And it was just amazing. It was set at the Ritz in Paris and, and it just had a lot to do with World War II and the resistance. It was absolutely wonderful. There was a little bit of a mystery in there as well. And then also uh, Vivian Chin's her latest, which was Egg Drop Dead. And such a fun series. I absolutely love it. So that one has been great. Well, I just recently saw that Don Bentley's second book was available on NetGalley. And then I loved All the Ways We Said Goodbye also. Um, And Vivian Chan's books are huge sellers at the bookstore. So those are some great reading recommendations. Absolutely. Yeah, they've been great. 
Well, I can't thank you enough for joining me today. It's been a ton of fun. I loved learning more about Lineage Most Lethal and just hearing about your life as a writer. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. If you liked this episode, and I hope you did, please follow me on Instagram at Thoughts From A Page. Tell all of your friends about the podcast and rate it. I would really appreciate it. Stephanie's book, Lineage Most Lethal, can be purchased at Murder by the Book, where I work part-time, and the link is in the show notes. I hope to see you next time. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.